0: Well this is our third and final week in our series on the Holy Spirit. We spent our first week talking about why the Spirit is important and how we can have more of Him. Our second week we spent some time looking at the theology of the Holy Spirit, asking questions in a bit more depth about the nature and identity of the Spirit. And this week we're going to focus on one of the main ministries of the Spirit, the Church. My title for today is Supernatural Church but This is one week where I truly don't expect anyone to take notes. This is not going to be a normal sermon, I'm warning you now. This is going to be more like dreaming together. But I truly believe that this is what God has for us this week. So let's pray and invite God to guide us. Heavenly Father, Lord Christ, Holy Spirit, be with us today. Guide our thoughts, guide my words. Fill us with dreams and visions. Make us into the people that you need. We love you. We trust you. Amen. So I said before that the church is one of the main ministries of the spirit. And I believe that. The creeds put the communion of the saints and the Holy Church among the roles and acts of the spirit. In the opening verses of the book of Acts, the disciples literally won't leave Jerusalem until they've received the Holy Spirit to empower them to start the church. But I fear that for many of us, we wonder if we really need the Spirit to do church at all. I mean, it's apparently not that hard to fake it without the Spirit. I'd be willing to bet that lots of churches are puttering along on the fumes of what the Spirit did in the past, or they're filling that gap with human talent. That temptation certainly comes to me. Hearing from God is a lot of work. I have to be very careful that what comes out of me on a Sunday or during a midweek Elam Minute devotional is something that comes from God and not just my own strength. I've got lots of Bible knowledge. You know, I read that book, I study it, and I'm trained enough that I can come up with my own stuff to say. But none of you tune in to hear what I have to say. You're here because you want to hear what God has to say. And that is the great challenge. That's the great challenge. How do we do church as a whole in a way that says clearly God is here? Now I want to be clear that this is a conversation for all of us. It's not just for staff or the board or the deacons. Church is not something created by pastors and leaders, it is something created as we come together. It is something created by God when God meets with his people, his children to encourage one another and to grow in our pursuit of him. It's not the building, it's not Sunday morning. Church is we, the people of God, coming together in the life power of the Spirit. And we're in an unprecedented moment. And I know it's cliche at this point to say stuff like that, unprecedented moment. But I want to be serious about it. Think about this. None of us have lived through a time when we had to suddenly stop doing church the way that we're used to, like we have with the response to COVID-19. None of us have had an opportunity like this to pause and reflect and redesign and reset to rethink how we gather, to rethink what each of us can bring to the body of Christ. Normally, when a church wants to make changes, they have to be gradual and slow, if only because it takes time to figure out policy and implement the changes. But we're in a period where we could conceivably do a hard reset on how we do church. We don't have to go back to normal. Dream with me a little. Is church everything you hoped it would be? And I wanna be clear what I'm talking about here. I'm not talking about little things like taking up the offering at a different time or even physical things like getting the organ fixed, which is all important, right? We need to talk about those things. But several pastors that I admire have talked about how they have dreamed about what the church could be, about who we as the members of the body of Christ could be. Are you satisfied with church? Do you wake up on Sunday morning and your eyes spring open because today the church gathers? Like Christmas morning when you were a child. Or does that seem like a pipe dream to you? Church is too normal. It's too boring. It's too regular for us to get excited about it. Has it been the same for too long? I wonder if it's because we haven't experienced a move of God in such a long time. Now, I'm not saying that's the case, but... If you woke up on a Sunday morning and you knew that you were about to go somewhere and see lives changed, see your life changed, see your children's lives changed, would you be more excited? If you knew you were about to have a deep, meaningful, emotional, raw experience of God's presence, would you be excited for church then? Why can't we? What if you opened your Bible and God really communicated with you? What if you knelt in your room or sat in your car or wherever you go to pray and you felt this incredible connection to the divine and you literally couldn't live the rest of your day without thinking about it and being different? So what can we do? I don't have an easy answer. This isn't the launch to some new campaign. This is the start of a conversation. When the church reopens, and it will, what do we want to come back to? Do we want to keep going the way that we have when the city drives past and thinks nothing of little Christians all over meeting in their quaint churches? I don't know about you, I want people to look at my life, at our church, and wonder how we're making all this happen. I want people to need God to explain what's going on. I don't want my life to be explainable without the Holy Spirit. I don't want our church to be explainable without the Holy Spirit. I truly believe that the only way that happens is when every person in our churches begins to take seriously the message and the call of Jesus on our lives. That there's a world outside our windows that needs Jesus. That the call to love one another inside the church is a radical call to sacrifice. A call to actually treat one another as family, not just be nice to each other one morning a week. To see that there are gifts and talents in this body, given by God and planted for his use, that are not being used. Two weeks from now, we're going to start... We're going to be starting our summer series, which we're calling Campfire Favorites, and a number of people from our community are going to be sharing their favorite stories from the Bible and what God has taught them. I'm so excited to see those gifts being tried out, being watered, being used for God's service. I believe in God. I believe in church. I've experienced God, and I've experienced him powerfully in church, and I've had my life changed by those encounters. Have you? Don't you want those experiences more often? And especially, don't you want those experiences for others? Don't you have a friend or a family member or someone in your life who just can't seem to get their head around your faith? And you think to yourself, if you could just experience God for yourself, then you'd understand. But you can't convince anyone to be obsessed with Jesus. You can't talk them into falling in love with Jesus. I mean, that's kind of exactly what I'm trying to do right now. But really, only the Holy Spirit can do that. In 1 Kings 18, yes, we are going to open our Bibles today. In 1 Kings chapter 18, there's this amazing encounter where Elijah goes up on Mount Carmel and he has this face-off with the prophets of Baal. Baal is a, is a false god that Israel has been worshipping. They've been distracting themselves from the worship of the true God. And Elijah has this showdown and the prophets of Baal have this long, loud, passionate time of worship that lasts from morning till evening, but no one listens. After Elijah prays and fire falls from heaven to consume not only the offering, but the altar too, the response of the people isn't about how eloquent Elijah is about the beauty of Elijah's prayer, or about the call on Elijah's life. Their response is all about God's power. In verse 39, the Bible says that when the people saw this, they fell prostrate and they cried, The Lord, He is God! The Lord, He is God! We can have a great time meeting in God's house, but at the end, does fire fall from heaven? not literally obviously but do we leave church talking about the god we experienced or about the people we saw perform for us this is especially hard for me because i am a person who thrives on compliments i love being told what a great job i did that you liked the sermon but what i really love is when people when a person comes up to me after the service And they tell me how God spoke to them. And I I don't want to sound like this incredible pessimist. This happens pretty regularly. People meet God at Elam Chapel. So don't, don't feel like this is all one big downer. But let's ask, what could our community of believers look like if we really lived in the unity, fellowship, and power of the Holy Spirit? Obviously, these are big questions. big conversations so let's make it simple and this week focus on ourselves before we dig in to lovingly shape the great institution of the church how are you doing chasing god would you say that you're doing all right have people noticed the fruit of the spirit in your life love joy peace patience kindness self-control do they comment It's easy to tell ourselves that we have these things and trick ourselves into complacency. Canada, according to Pew Research, is supposedly 55% Christian. But in 2013, Pew Research found that only 20% of Canadians attend any religious services weekly, Christian or otherwise. And only 29% say they pray daily, Christian or otherwise. You know what that tells me? We have a whole lot of people around us who have tricked themselves into complacency. And that also tells me that we do not live in a society where passionate, engaged Christianity is the norm. If we devote ourselves to God, we really do have the chance to be light in the darkness. But we can't just conjure up these things, right? It's not a question of willpower as if we could in our own power achieve the standard of righteousness put forward by a good God. We try, we work, we strive, but ultimately we fail. Instead, we should be putting our effort into seeking God and asking the spirit to fill us and reading his book. We focus on what God wants us to do instead of on who God wants us to be. We need to focus on who God wants us to be. As our Elam Minute this week said, repentance is not only turning away from sin, but turning toward God. We can't do this without him. We don't want to do this without him. God is not a coercive God. He waits for us to ask. Luke eleven thirteen 13 promises the spirit to those who ask. And Jesus tells us in that same passage that if we knock, the door will be opened. And if we ask, we shall receive. So let's ask. Bow your heads with me. Lord God, we are your people. We offer ourselves to you. Everything we have, everything we are has come from you, and we offer it back. Make us your people. Don't let us go out of your presence the same as we came in. May your spirit bring these words back to our remembrance all throughout the week and inspire new thoughts and new conversations in us. We long to be yours, and we know that you can do exceedingly, abundantly, more than we can ask or imagine. In your mercy and your love, we ask this. And in the name of your Son, we pray. Amen.